Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week we bring you in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's February 3rd, 2016, I'm Michael Lodemark, one of the show's producers. Today you'll hear a conversation between two icons of world cinema, Jane Birkin and Charlotte Gainsbourg. The mother-daughter duo are the subjects of our current retrospective, Jane and Charlotte Forever, which looks at their daring and influential careers side by side. From Birkin's memorable performances in films by Agnes Varda and the late Jacques Rivette, to Gainsbourg's collaborations with directors like Lars von Trier and Michel Gondry. The series kicked off last Friday with a special evening with Jane Birkin and Charlotte Gainsbourg. The event included a film from each of their extraordinary bodies of work, Birkin in La Pirate from 1984 and Gainsbourg in Antichrist from 2009, as well as a conversation with the two actors. Jane and Charlotte Forever continues through this weekend, with films by Rivette, Varda, Von Trier, and more still to come. Check out filmlink.org for more information. But for now, enjoy this conversation between Jane Birkin and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Hi there, this is Allison Goldberg from the Film Society's fundraising team. The Walter Reed Theater is turning 25 next year. Built in 1991 as a year-round home for film at Lincoln Center, the Walter Reed recently won the Village Voice Award for Best Movie Theater in New York. Manola Dargis of the New York Times agrees, calling it one of the finest movie-watching rooms in the city. In honor of the theater's birthday, we're planning some long-overdue renovations that will make this great theater even better, including a new screen, 4K and 16mm projectors, updated lighting and sound systems, and much more. But to make this all possible, we need your help. Naming a seat in the Walter Reed will help us accomplish these goals and lets you or a loved one become a permanent part of the theater's rich history. For more information about seat naming opportunities and the renovation project, visit filmlink.org slash WRT25. Welcome back. So, Jane, when I asked you earlier if you wanted to see the film, you said absolutely not. Is that because you, um, do you not rewatch your films, or have you... Uh... No, I don't. No, no. So you've never seen this film? I saw it at Cannes, and at Cannes, um, it, was, it was in the selection for French films, so um, I said to my brother, oh, don't worry, filming with Jacques Hugh, you know, it'll be so wonderful because he's so respected. You don't, it's, it, it, it'll go so beautifully. Go to the press thing, I said, to the press showing of the film. And people started it's to ring me idea. in Cannes <laughs> saying, are you aware of the, of the terrible fight that there's been with the journalists at the press showing of the film? And I said, no, my God, poor Andrew. And uh, he rang me a bit later and I said, awful, I'm so sorry, where are you? <laughs> Swimming back to England or what? And he said, no, it was quite instructive, really. Every time he'd been on the screen, people went, woo, boo. <laughs> when I held on to Marushka, people sang, da 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 dum dum which is for bras. And it was so <coughs> awful. And the day after, I took Charlotte and uh, Kate to the showing, which was the... Um, the chic evening, and thank goodness nobody, nobody started off because I had my handbag to hit somebody. And really good was the press conference. 
I wish someone had filmed the press conference because I stuck for, up for that film something wonderful. And, uh, and so The Pirate was, a, was one of those films when I remember people used to cross over the park in, in Paris and say, thank you for The Pirate. So it had its people that loved it, but it certainly had a hell of a lot of people that didn't. And uh, I think they just, they just were cross. You know, they just got frustrated and cross and anyhow. As you said in the introduction, it's, it's a film that um, it was a, a different kind of role for you, um, not just a dramatic role, but it called, called for a certain um, intensity and sort of emotional violence um, in the film. Um, why do you think you had a, you know, the first decade of your career was largely defined by, as you said, sort of lighter, lighter fare, more comedic? Was it about being British in it France? Was or was it was probably because of my terrible accent, and I made people laugh. And I thought it was just being comical, but actually they were laughing at the accent as well and getting things wrong, like masculine and feminine. So I didn't really think I was that bad until I did La Fille Prodigue with Jacques mm -hmm. Doyon. And there was a hell of a lot of text to say. And he thought I was putting it on, that I was pretending to speak French badly for what made people laugh. And uh, so from then on, I realized I better get a coach and I better start learning. So I did. But it was easy to do La Pirate because it was very like things had been mm -hmm. at home. So... <laughs> uh, can I ask in, in what sense? <laughs> well, it was, it was. I were, uh, for one moment, Jacques asked uh, Isabella Adjani to play, um, one second, he asked Isabella Adjani to play Alma, my part, and of course I couldn't say anything because Isabella Adjani was very delightful and wonderful to have her. Then she said no, and I thought, ah, I can go back to being Alma, and he, he asked uh, Marushka. To, to play the pirate, so, hmm. and then my brother to, to play the husband. That was Jacques' decision. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a wise decision, yeah. a wise decision. But it was, no, it was lovely to be able to do something so dramatic that you actually just want to die. So when the little one pulled the revolver, I just remember, oh, I fell down the staircase, and, I was so happy. So you do remember it quite well. I remember the staircase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's something that people don't understand because I think there's many, many, many actors that don't watch their own movies. And perhaps I'm worse because I always thought that somehow things were perhaps um, not too bad. And then I sort of let myself watch it on the television late at night. And it's always a disappointment. And I'm a disappointment to myself. And the accent and the voice up high, you can turn down the volume, but it's depressing. Charlotte, what, what kind of relationship do you, do you have with your work? Do you, do you watch Watching myself, uh, it makes me uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm always curious. But the same, I'm um, disappointed. Um, I 
But because I think I always think I'm going to be so good, <laughs> and uh, no, I'm not. I can see all the all the mistakes, all the little things that I've missed. But it's it doesn't bother me anymore to not be happy. I'm fine with uh, not liking it because it's it's sort of a it's a motor. It's a it's an engine. It's a good engine. Uh, do you? What do you remember of um, the pirate? 1984 was actually the year of your film debut. You were in uh, your first film was from 1984 <laughs> as well. Do you remember much about this film? Were you around? When it yes, was being made I remember and... because that's exactly. You told me that when Laure Marsac was playing and was cast to do the film, that I was very, very jealous and that I looked at her, and I remember that. I looked at her with a very eager and jealous, uh, yes, jealous gaze. And um, so maybe I was hoping to, that I'd be able to do something. And it happened very soon. Did you spend a lot of your childhood on, on film sets with your parents? Um, you did take us everywhere, but you... So, yes, I do remember crews, makeup uh, places, and then just being able to, to watch her, to watch you, <laughs> um, in a very privileged space, you know, just um, close to the camera. At that time, there were no monitors or anything, so you could just be hidden somewhere and and watch yes watch her act in front of it was a very just being a it was a, being a very uh, privileged spectator uh, Jane so you said this was a, a relatively easy uh, role for you an easy film um, I'm wondering if um, what you make of one word that I, I, I seems to always come up um, in descriptions um, of both of you, of your work, I actually think we used it in our materials, um, is fearless. And I'm wondering what kind of uh, relationship you have with, with fear as, uh, when it comes to your work. Is there ever fear involved? Is that something that has to be overcome? And is it something that's you know, interesting to engage with as a performer? Well, I've always thought that the greatest fear would be to disappoint the person who had believed you could do something, the director, and if he believes in you, uh, it's, it's like jumping. If, if he believes that you can jump higher than most people, then you're ready to jump and even break your leg, but certainly to be fearless, certainly to dare, not to ever be somebody who'd suddenly do it a little way, but not fill it completely. If they've, had their, they've given you their trust that you could do it, so disappoint, people being disappointed in me is the, is the thing that I find the most, most painful. No, I, I don't like being scared. I, I find it very painful. But I like uh, the adrenaline. I like... Uh, I'm a nervous person, so I'm always nervous. I'm always anxious. And uh, that's how I like to work. So, um, but not fear. I don't. 
um, I've done very little, very few comedies, but that um, it was such a relief to be able to be, comme on dit, décontracté, to be relaxed and suddenly just be happy and have fun. Mm -hmm. um, it can happen. <laughs> Um, I wanted to uh, maybe work into the conversation a little bit. Um, the next film that we're, we're going to see, which is um, Antichrist, um, which also had a very interesting screening at Cannes. I, I assume you, you remember. Um, and this, of course, was marked the start of your relationship with Lars, which has continued um, through two more films. Um, uh, can you talk a little bit about your, your working relationship with, with Lars? It was very... Um It happened like an accident because I wasn't supposed to do to do the film. I remember I told you that I went to Copenhagen to meet him and didn't really expect that he, I mean, he didn't seem very involved. And so I thought he didn't like me that much. And uh, he called me back two days later saying, I want you to do it. So it was, everything was a surprise, but then In that film, I didn't have a name. The character's name, she was named uh, she, and the man was he. Uh, and everything was anonymous. I didn't know if he knew anything about me, if he knew who my parents were, if he knew films I had done. I was uh, taken as I was, picked up, put in Germany in that horrible hotel where we <laughs> but it was uh, I loved I loved shooting that film it was so extreme everything was but I was completely isolated isolated and not with no background no history which was uh, very interesting Jane what was your reaction to the film Antichrist oh I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. I told you everything <laughs> because I was doing I was doing a film with uh, with sweet Jacques Rivette who just died, and uh, and Charlotte and I used to do emails to each other, text text sorry to each other, and uh, I used to say that I was just sitting around waiting for a bit of material because Rivet never gives you a script in advance. He, he just gave you page by, by page before you started shooting. And uh, so I said I, what I was going to do that day, and then Charlotte told me what she was going to do that day. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was terribly funny. She said she was going to go and masturbate herself in the wood, and then she's got to chop this wood. I don't know, the whole thing sounded thrilling. <laughs> So you do, you do talk to each other a lot about your work. Yes. When it's in like details. That. <laughs> <In> great details. <laughs> But do you, do you find that helpful? Obviously, you know, both as, as actresses, as singers, like sharing details about your work. Um, you know, what, what's that? Can you say a little bit more about how that, you know, personal, professional relationship, when you're working on a set, what do you, besides telling your mother what the scene is, do you share a script with her? Do you... No, we don't read each other's scripts. It would be very 
boring. I don't know. I don't know. But we do share. I love. I'm excited to. When I know that she's going to do something, and to share what I'm going to do, it's exciting to, to know what she thinks and if. I don't know. She, you were you were excited about me meeting Lars and. I was. You know, it's. It, I always thought that perhaps it was a. Charlotte was so discreet as a person, and uh, and yet I knew that things weren't easy for her all the time. So I thought that perhaps it would be wonderful if there was she was with a, a director with whom she could just scream. You know, that it, it, it's when I was small, I used to go with the train. The, the wagon of the train, and there's a bit in between, which makes an awful noise, so you can scream there. And uh, so I, I, I thought that that Charlotte might want to scream, and to have the opportunity to do it with somebody in whom she had great trust, and he with her, then I could see that it was irresistible, and with something that's sort of a bit peppery, which is which is nice, which is like her father. I'm not sure that she cares that much what other people think. And that's something I, I admire greatly. Is that true? Not pandering to people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do care, I do care, but I, I, it's true that I like, I like his, um, his perversion also. I like the fact that he's, using us, that he twists us. I like to be an object. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> Lars is often you know, described as a, a provocateur, and I think, I think the, the idea of provocation comes up a lot, I think, in um, the choices that you've made in some of the roles, um, the risks that you've taken. Um, and I'm wondering if you think much about, you know, just of provocation as something that can actually be interesting and useful, and not just something that is um, simply for shock value, but that can actually um, be something mm, else. I don't think it's very interesting. I think it's uh, it's the sincerity underneath that's interesting and real. I think he's very honest with his work. Then the whole provocation is just a farce. And, uh, but that's who he is also. But it's not something that I take very seriously. And I don't think you're supposed to take it seriously. Um, it's true that for me there is a link between my father, because he was a provocateur also, and Lars, and not, not in the way he provokes, because <laughs> it's very different. But... <laughs> Yes. But there is a link that I find very charming because it's, it reminds me my, of my father. Mm -hmm. Jane? Well, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, Jacques Rivette. I wanted to maybe just spend a, a, little, a, a moment talking about him since he just passed away today. And you worked with him on four films. and Three. Three, sorry. No, three. Um, okay, yes, and, and including his last film. Um, and uh, what was that relationship like with Jacques? Oh, he was quite extraordinary. I mean, I remember turning him down when he came to the house that I had, and he told me, I said, so 
you know, I'll read the script. And he said, oh, no, no, there would be no script. And I said, but there has to be a script so we know what we're going to do. And he said that he knew what he was going to do. <laughs> and he liked surprises. And I said, if I don't have, you know, rails, I'll just go off the rails. And, and then he said, it'll be in a circus. And I said, oh, I hate things in a circus and people that pull pigeons out of their sleeves and things like that. So he said, look, I just wanted to tell you that you were a person I've always wanted to work with and uh, that I've loved very much. And off he went into to the staircase with, with Geraldine Chaplin. And then when I went down the stairs, Jacques Doyon said to me, so how did it go? I said, he doesn't give you a script, can you believe it? And he said, have you ever seen any of his films? So I said, no, <laughs> that I hadn't. He said, just go down to the Quartier Latin. They're playing Céline et Julie vont en bateau nearly every day. And uh, so I went down and uh, I had a child on my knee. I think it might have been you. I think it might have been you. Because I, I, I went to see the film and it was so wonderful with uh, the actresses being breathtakingly funny and sad. So I rang up Geraldine Chaplin that night and said, and she said, I know, I know, you don't like pigeons, you don't like, you want to script. And I said, no, no, I take it all back. <laughs> I take it all back, I want to do it. So that collaboration started. And uh, he was, in, I mean, in one way, his way of doing it was uniquely his own, but it was also quite right because we may be laughing now, but when we go out of there, you don't know, we might be run over by a tram. If you know you're going to get run over by a tram, then you're already sort of making glances and looking at people as if it's your last look at the world. But in fact, you never know. So getting the script at the last minute like that, you suddenly see what's going to happen to you. It's, it's a bit worrying for the text to have to learn it so last minute. But I told a journalist uh, yesterday that actually I found with, with Rivette on the last film, I did learn a bit. He gave it in advance and it was in a cemetery, so I learned it really well. And then I did see the film when it was being put together and it was the one thing that didn't seem very real, was what I'd learned by heart. And on all the other, on all the rest of the film, it was much better because there were hesitations and perhaps where I was trying to think, gosh, what do I say next? But it, it came out as sort of <laughs> thinking deeply or something. So he, he just, and he knew why he had asked you. So the privilege really of being asked a second time is already quite extraordinary. But on a third time, I was just so happy that he, that he wanted me again. And so I think uh, I'm so pleased I saw the cover of Liberation that was going to be his. And he's with his two actresses and with that wonderful smile he had. And I know nothing about him. I don't know. I've never been to his flat. I've never, I don't think anyone's ever been to his flat. I wondered whether he had a Frigidaire. Maybe not. <laughs> I heard that there were tunnels of newspapers and he sort of walked around like that. I always saw him on his way to the cinema, I mean often, but he didn't seem to eat. I used to keep bananas for him so he just wouldn't faint. 
but he was somebody who seemed to have no use for anything that wasn't actually filming. And that was where he he just knew how to how to direct you so beautifully. I think on the last film I'd come into the circus, because there's another circus, and <laughs> went into the circus and he told me, well, I saw where they'd got a piece of scotch tape where you had to actually sit down for the shot. And so I crossed over and sat down. And Rivette, although he was already ill, uh, he said he thought it would be more interesting that I didn't go straight to sit there and that I tried another place just before the way you do if you're in a, um, in a dentist waiting room. You don't go straight, you sort of look around. And anyhow, he was absolutely right. And so he knew, he knew what to say with his actresses. I was very lucky. Very, very lucky. Um, we'll be showing uh, Je T'aime Mon Emploi tomorrow. Um, you'll be back for that. Charlotte, you won't be here tomorrow. But um, I thought maybe I could have, take this opportunity to ask you what you make of that film. Do you remember the first time you saw it? I remember I waited until I was uh, 18 <laughs> and I got a cassette uh, a VHS. I saw it in my little room in your house uh, and I loved it. I saw it on a little TV like this and I, I thought it was so beautiful. Just. You were so beautiful. Joe was so beautiful. I met him for the first time. It was incredible. Um, and the, just uh, the, les cadres, comment on dit les cadres? The, the, frame. the frames, the, um, vis visually it was incredible. And so I was able to call my father and say how, under the shock I was and um, and he died very soon after so I was able to to tell him that how proud I was and it's I know how lucky I can be to have both my parents you know in one project there's, there's the music of course but this film is just the embodiment of um, their story for me. That's what I, that's the story I'm telling myself. What was he like on set? What was he like as a as a director? He was absolutely wonderful because he made every person feel that they were quite the very best person at that particular job. I remember Henri Chenu who did the traveling, and Serge used to lie down and see how the traveling was, and he said, this is the gentleman of the traveling. I don't know many directors that show off their technicians as being the very best in their trade. They, they were ready to do anything for Serge. And I think that Joe, well, he'll say tomorrow, but uh, it was such fun doing the film with Serge because he was the very best captain of the ship. He was absolutely in his element. He, he loved everybody so much. Everybody wanted to make it the very best film. That sounds so sentimental, but it rained for, I think, the first couple of days. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. We saw Serge looking so miserable. 
And so he used to he used to play the piano for us so that we wouldn't get too bored. And we just prayed that it was going to be sunny. And it was. All right, I think we're going to take some questions from the audience. Uh, I'll repeat the questions. Do you draw inspiration from other art forms? Well, well you both work in multiple art forms, actually. I wish I could say yes, yes. I mean, I love a beautiful thing. So, I don't know what to say. No, the only time I w it was an inspiration was uh, maybe for Lars's film again, because he was inspired by the scream of Edward Munch. And so that was, of course, an inspiration. And then uh, music. Uh, that w I, I love to be able to dive into sort of a special playlist for a film. That's a, that, but it's not, yes, it's helpful. Yeah, sure. The second question was about theater. What characteristics do you like um, with uh, <clears throat> uh, in a in a director, whether film or theater? I guess. Oh, well, that they want you. <laughs> I don't know. Just uh, to be able to trust uh, mm -hmm. someone. So, the honesty, maybe uh, something sincere. Yeah. I guess to, to follow up on that, I mean, could you maybe talk a bit about how you make your choices? It does seem that you're you're drawn to you know, some pretty interesting um, risk-taking filmmakers. There seems to be this mutual attraction, I think, or, or they're drawn to you. Um, I think in, in both. I don't. It doesn't seem like I'm taking risks. I don't see it that way at all, and it's just accidents of moments. Just things happen at the right time, but I don't. I can't say that I'm choosing off um, a ton of scripts. And no, I like when things happen, and you you know you you agree, and I mean you're attracted to the project. There's no question. As soon as there's a little, if there's a little question, then I'm not sure it's the right uh, project. <laughs> I don't think I was very fair to you because if I had been Serge, Gainsbourg Serge, for j'étais mon plus, I know I knew that his great, um, he had a very great lighting cameraman, and his knowledge of American painters, Hopper. I know that there was a aesthetic that he was after. So I'll answer in his place. Uh, the question is for Jane, uh, do you prefer acting or singing? Um, I'm, I'm so scared on stage that for doing the theater and doing songs, I didn't think I'd ever be able to do it. Just out of sheer fear and your heart going too fast and I... Uh, used to make me feel really very, very sick. The only thing I asked for was to have a, uh, a loo, 
not far. It's all I wanted. Because it was fearful to that extent. It didn't mean that 20 minutes later you would find your feet and it, it would be okay. But then you, I used to then go through torment for if it was good that night, then the night after wouldn't be good. I mean, things that really you think life's too short, but you go and do it again and again and again. So there must be something about it that's very compelling. And movies, when I started, I wasn't asked to do too much. I had to be the sort of girl that took a bath and then the house exploded and I'd be up a drain pipe. <laughs> I used to love that sort of thing. Well, there was one where I had to start a film with, with a seagull shitting in my eye and I had to say, oof, that starts badly. <laughs> so so um, movies seemed like fun at that time. And then I liked the ones that were demanding, like Je t'aime mon plus or Jacques' films. Now I haven't done one in so long that I think it would be hardly worth the, the fear again. So from that, you could, <laughs> but it, I haven't been unhappy all my life or anything. And I'm very grateful for people asking you to do concerts or to, you know, I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> I don't know. I could open a tea room. I think, I, I guess the question about um, acting and singing could also apply to you, Charlotte. You've been quite active with music in the last 10 years or so. Do you like going I back and forth? I think I feel more comfortable acting. Yeah. Um, I don't... I've always been very happy to say that I'm, I don't feel I'm an actress, I don't feel I'm a singer, I don't, you know, it's, it's just, things happen, but you, it's not something that I control very well. And I'm very happy not to be in control. Uh, but still, I think there's, it's easier for me to be on a set than it is to be in a studio, which doesn't mean that I have I love being in a in a recording studio. I love it. It's just I I don't feel that I'm totally at home, whereas a set is more like home. Question is about mm. the two Anya Varda films, which we're showing on Sunday. Jane's going to be back uh, for for them. Um, you could. Uh, the question is whether what you remember about them and uh, Kung Fu Master is actually the only film I think that the two of you um, appear in together, right? Charlotte wasn't too pleased to do Kung Fu Master, <laughs> and it was very evident. But at the same time, she threw herself into the part so much that I did see that it was possible for her to be able to put down her comic, to do the violent scene in the garden, cry and come back to her comic. And then Vada said, do you think we can ask her a second time? I said, oh, sure. <laughs> and indeed, indeed. So it was, it was an occasion of us to be together, but it, perhaps not so happily for her. No, but it's, I remember just this project was a, a Jane B by Agnes B. It took, what, a year? And she was living in our sitting room. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was 
a teenager and not not a happy one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, I openly the said... The idea was fu more fun for me than it was for the rest of my family because she would have ideas every day. So she'd say, you're going to be a Spanish dancer. And I said, oh, Agnes, I hate Spanish dancing. Don't make me be a Spanish Oh, yes, you will, because if you do that, you can do Joan of Arc. I'll let you do Joan of Arc. So I said, okay. So as she was there all year round, indeed, it was uh, a very non-frightening event. <laughs> and I had all the curiousness of Agnes. And if anything, Jane B. is actually a lot about her. She had the father who, who ruined them on a... On a uh, Vantian table in a, in a, what's it called, would you play card? In a casino. Uh, she, she wanted to be the Spanish dancer. There were all sorts of things about Agnes that were in the movie, which, which gave it its delight for me, much better than doing a sort of, I don't know, biography thing. It was, it, it was her. So the charm of it and the, and the, her great eye for painting. So, it was terribly long and very, very expensive. In fact, she told me that I'd ruined her <laughs> because the film she did with Sandrine Bonaire had been quite a success, whereas Jane B. was an utter failure. So it, it must have been so because to do the sort of Dali painting where you're a part of a painting seen from afar, they're things that nobody would do these days, but they wouldn't have even thought of doing them because that what that's what makes Vada into Vada. And when I gave her a little script about a 40-year-old woman being in love with a 14-year-old boy, she said, I'll do it. I don't have your hang-ups, but I'll do it. <laughs> because she said the film's about you. So it was supposed to be a little sort of 20-minute film. But in the end, there were two films after, after being together for a year. So I do have a great fondness, but I do of Vada as well. And was it her idea to cast her son? As it was the, my as the boy? idea. She used to keep sending people to the boys, to the Bataclan, where I was singing as a sort of casting thing. And she kept on saying, has he lost his voice or has he not lost his voice? And I said, I don't know. Anyhow, a boy spoke with his voice broken. And I said, that for sure is not what I want because I don't want the, the first steps of a man. I want the last steps of a child. So she said, okay, if you keep Mathieu, I want Charlotte. The <laughs> question is about another film that Serge directed, Charlotte Forever. Where um, the Charlotte can talk a little bit about that. I felt very uncomfortable at the time. Very, very uncomfortable. I was... Um, it, was the thing is I, I was able to do films and it was like a separate family from my own and so to suddenly have to to do a film with my own father and not to be protected the way I was with uh, a film crew that didn't know me and my family so it suddenly it was all together and my my father was quite a show-off uh, and very charming of course when I think about it today but at the time I was 15 and I was angry and and uh, I didn't like the way he the way he was with other people when he drank and so I was always so annoyed and 
ashamed and embarrassed and today I think about it and I I love everything about it and every memory I've had and um, all the uneasiness and I'm so happy that he asked me to do this and that he the music that went with it everything was I, I don't think I saw the film I might have seen it when he just did it but but I never saw it again so uh, it's just in my head is what what, what I remember of um, just of him so that's very today it's very very precious Jane what do you remember of the film I remember asking my mother to take my place at home to look after Charlotte because I knew that she were that perhaps she didn't really want to do it if it took away from school. So then he changed the dates. And I knew that she felt uneasy about it. But I loved Serge and I thought she must do it for him. Now I'm pleased she did it for both of them, if you see what I mean. Let's go that. No. <laughs> no, if your popcorn goes down, I've gone. The question is about blow-up. I was blow then up, on it for about five minutes. No. I mean, I love him. Uh, and, uh, and I'm very pleased to have done it, but... But no, no. I have, yes, of course I have. It's, uh... It's, um... Comment dire... Oui, mais non, plus qu'un classique. Un quoi Yes. Yes. <laughs> she makes me laugh. She does, but um, I, I have more references with La Piscine where you, you know, you, you see her more. <laughs> La Piscine was the first um, big role for you, right? Big first substantial role in the film? No, not really. Because the films came out in a different order. In a different, okay, so you had already... You're right. right. So, so I had done Slogan, which is why I was in love with Serge when I did La Piscine. Um, any more hands in the back? Independence Day. I just received a call from Roland Emmerich and and I was very excited to be able to jump into that huge uh, <laughs> scale of uh, film. He, but he's very special, this uh, director. Very, very human and uh, and it was quite an adventure. A lot of fun. Obviously, a lot of fun, and so different. <laughs> um, all right, so I th we are going to be showing Antichrist. Um, we're going to take a ten-minute break for people that need to use the, um, the bathroom, get pop more popcorn. Um, do you want to leave them with any parting words on, on Antichrist? Actually, I remember the last, when we showed it here at the New York Film Festival, um, I think we had to stop the screening because somebody fainted. But I think everybody here knows what they're in for, so it'll probably be fine. But <laughs> there's...
if there's anything um, you'd like to say. I have nothing to say. <laughs> nothing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jane. Thanks for Charlotte being for here. here. The close-up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to the close-up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>